You know, it's been a while since I've just told you, I'm so grateful that I get to be your pastor. I'm so grateful I get to serve the Lord with you. And it's fun to see the Lord at work in the life of our church. Thank you, Chris. God, God is at work in our church. And uh, this week, um, it was so incredible. And I want to thank you for those of you that served. We, had, uh, we served over 900 Thanksgiving meals this week. And uh, isn't that awesome? That, that's really cool. Um, we served meals to homeless folks in Tulsa through Iron Gate Ministry, and over 200 of our volunteers came together, and we, we served shut-ins around our area, and it was, it was fun to see our church mobilized and, and going out and, and sharing the gospel and serving uh, through cooking turkeys and, and packing it all up, and, and, and it's fun to see the Lord move. God, God's just at work. I, if you were at Family Matters a couple of weeks ago, you know about the opportunity that has come to us as a church. We're praying about a second campus that's 11 minutes away into Tulsa. And uh, Calvary Baptist Church is a church that has approached us and has asked us to pray about uh, merging with us and us beginning a, kind of revitalizing that, that area. And so it's fun to see the Lord at work. We're, I want you to pray about it. I want you to pray with us. We're praying through the month of December, and in January we're going to come together and, and just decide on if the Lord's moving us down that direction, down that path. But I want you to know it's exciting to serve the Lord. When you, when you see God at work, it's amazing. It's, it's often uh, exciting. It's, it's often uncomfortable. It's usually uncomfortable. When you serve the Lord, you're, you're consistently moved out of your comfort zone. When you serve the Lord, you, you tend to go to places you weren't expecting to go. When you serve the Lord, it's, it's interesting because um, it, it forces you to be on your toes and to be prayerful and to be thinking and to be on your knees. And, and that's part of the adventure of serving the Lord. Now, John chapter 4 is where we are today. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there. And um, I want you to understand the scene here in John chapter 4. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a crazy moment in the ministry of Jesus. The disciples uh, were, had to have, I mean, if you, when we get to heaven and talk to them, we're going to go, was it, was it exciting walking with Jesus and being with him every day? And he's going to go, yeah, it was crazy, just like it is for us. I think they're, they're going to be intrigued at us because we didn't get to see Jesus with our physical eyes, but yet we followed him and we're trusting him. This is why the Bible says, Jesus said, for, for we're more blessed because we've seen and believed, but we, ha we, we believed, yet we haven't seen with our eyes. So actually, I think when we get to heaven and hang with the disciples, they're going to go, no, 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 we got to see Jesus. What was it like trusting him when you didn't see him? And that's the adventure of following Christ. But I want you to understand, and you're going to hear me say over and over again, that following Christ is the greatest adventure you'll ever take. And this is why I want to challenge you to follow him, to walk with him, to know him and to hear his voice and to have him lead you and answer to prayer. One of our, uh, Jackie Miller came up to me today, uh, one of our leaders, in our, uh, ladies in our church. She, God has moved in her life and has, has, has helped her through this battle of cancer. And God has done something supernatural in her life. And she goes, Chris, God has moved in me. God has helped me. And see, this is part of our story that we're to share with the world, that we're called to share the gospel. And, and this, through this series, it's been my prayer that God moves us to become stronger witnesses for Jesus. Jesus. 
that we are a people that connect with a world that desperately needs to know him. And in John chapter 4, it's this incredible encounter. And what we're going to do is we're going to pick up at the end of the story, and then we're going to walk through it. So I want you to stay in John 4. But this is a moment in the life of the disciples where Jesus led them to a place that they didn't expect. He moved them completely out of their comfort zone. And they watched God move in a supernatural way. So would you stand with me and let's read this text together. John chapter 4, we're going to read together verses 39 through 42. And it says this, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all, I ever, all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him and asked him to stay with them, he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated now. Now, I love, this, I love this moment in the life of Christ. John chapter 4, um, Jesus does so much to teach us about racism. There's so many ways you can go with this passage and this story. Um, he, he talks about racism with the Samaritans, and it deals with this fact that everybody has value and that we should never have racism in our lives. It speaks to the elevation of women. I mean, Jesus does so much to, to, to show this woman at the well that she was valuable in spite of our mistakes. You see this complete transformation of a person that had utterly failed in her life. I mean, this was one of those ladies in Scripture that felt unworthy and dirty and unwanted. And yet Jesus met her and completely changed her life. And, and you know what I... It, it shows that, that this woman goes and shares her story, and, and people listened. This person that, that said, hey, i got to tell you, I met this Jesus, and, he, and he's told me everything I've ever done, and everybody said, we got to go see this. So in this story, you see the power of, of our story, the power of your testimony, that, 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 you know, when God is at work and you share your story, people respond. Now, today, I want us to grab a hold of the power of the invitation, the, the power of the invite, that when we invite someone to see the Jesus that changed our lives, and God is at work through all of that, people respond. Now, if you know me and if you've talked to me very long, you're gonna, or if you come to my office, you're going to see this picture. And, and I've, I'll preach, I'll use this picture twice a year probably as I preach. If you hear me preach very long, you've seen this picture before. And it hangs in my office. And when I allow the Lord to speak to me, I, and I try often to stop. You know how if you have a piece of art that you like or you can go buy it every day and not notice it. But I try often to stop and look at it in my office when I'm by myself and when I'm just with the Lord. Because it's impacted me, and it's a favorite, the, my favorite piece of art that I own. And I want you to see it today, because an eighth grade student in my ministry drew this. It's a chalk drawing, and I want you to notice it. Because here you have um, a believer 
This is a Christian. And he's, he's the light to the world. You see his candle? He's holding his candle. You know, you and I, as believers, if you know Christ as your Savior, the Bible calls you and I the light of the world. We're like a city that's on a hill that cannot be hidden. And then the Scripture says we're to let our light shine before men so they can see our good deeds and glorify God who's in heaven. Matthew 5 says this. And, and this is a Christian, and he's got his light, and it's bright. And you see it's lighting up his whole face. But if you notice, if you look deeply at this picture, you see a whole sea of people behind him. And they're dark, and they're empty, and, they're, and they're, it's, it's kind of eerie. Because it's a, it's a phenomenal picture of, of what the world is like without Christ. Because without Christ, there is no hope in this life or in the next. You know, people mask it with stuff, and they mask it with um, status or all these things. But, but we know those don't work. Those are all empty pursuits. But you have this lost world that's, that, and if you look closely, there's a guy right here that's closest to this believer, and he's got his hand out, and he's got his candle out, but his candle's not lit. And, and it's a great picture of the lost world that really needs the hope that we have as a believer in Christ. But notice the believer. He's got his eyes shut. It, it's like the candle, the people that, that, that need him the most, he doesn't even see them. And you know, when I allow the Lord to speak to me through this treasure that I have, I, I consistently remember and, and recommit myself to, to that moment when, when I said to the Lord, Lord, I promise you, for the rest of my life, I will be a believer that opens my eyes to the lost around me. And I said to the Lord, I committed to the Lord, Lord, as long as you give me breath and, and the call to pastor, the church, the church that you call me to pastor, I commit to you that we will be a church that is awake, that is open, uh, that has our eyes open, and we are focused on sharing the gospel with the world. And this is a commitment that I have made to the Lord. And you're stuck with me. So let's just get after it. Because we're called to share the gospel with a world that needs him. Now in this passage, point number one, I want you to see this if you have your notes. Uh, we we got to notice the power of the invitation. And, and I consistently have opportunities to communicate the gospel message. That you and I have consistent opportunities to communicate about Christ. And that's what's happening in John 4. This woman says, you've got to come see Jesus. He told me everything that I've ever done. And, and you, he he must be the Christ. And then what happened is these people all came to hear Jesus and they said, okay, hey, we don't believe him because of what you said. He's the savior of the world. And all these people were come to Christ. Well, let's look back at the beginning of the story. 
in, uh, in verse 1. Now you see, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, John was this uh, threat uh, to the Roman culture and the Pharisees, and, and Jesus was developing a following here. Jesus leaves um, even though Jesus didn't baptize, your Bible says that in parentheses because Jesus' disciples baptized, just a clarification. Verse 3, I love this. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And verse 4, look at this. And he had to pass through Samaria. Now, that's a huge statement. That's a big statement because if you were a Jew and you were going to Galilee, you, it was faster to go through Samaria. It, it, that's, it was. But you know what they chose to do? Because Samaritans were considered unclean. A Samaritan was a person that was a half Jew and half Gentile. And they were outcasts. They were looked down upon. They, they were seen as dirty, unworthy. You didn't even go through there. You didn't even, you would go, if you were a devout Jew, a religious person, even though it was a lot faster to go through through Samaria, you would go all the way around. And it would take you a lot longer, but you would have to do that because they were unclean and you did not deal with them. And I love it that Jesus says, I have to go through Samaria. I can almost imagine the conversation. What? Jesus, really? We have to go through there? No, he had to go there. And what he's doing right here is he's getting his disciples out of their comfort zone. And you see this, look at verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So it was about noon, the, hot, the hottest part of the day. And Jesus is there, and, and, and his disciples had gone into town. We'll see that in a second. But look at verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Now, this is interesting because this is not the time of the day that the women would come to draw water because culturally, in this part of the world, the women, that was one of their responsibilities, they would go get the water. But it was like a social thing, just like all ladies go to the bathroom together. Um, back then, they would go get the water together. It was a social event, and it was important. But, but they would go in the morning early when it was cooler. But it's interesting, this woman came when it was hot. It was almost like this was the, one of those ladies that's not included in the group. I, I'm the outcast. I'm the one that is, you know, uh, not, not very important. I'm not, a, I'm not good enough. So not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a worldly woman, and we know about her. And, uh, and, and Jesus kind of flips her out because he said to her, Give me a drink. Now, Jesus gives us some insight into what's going on in parentheses in verse 8. For the disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Now, what's interesting is a Samaritan, a Jew, would not deal with a Samaritan. And yet Jesus said, we've got to go through Samaria. And then, boys, you've got to go into town and buy food. <laughs> Jesus, are you kidding me? We don't deal with Samaritans. Oh, yes, you do. You're with me now. I love it how God takes us out of our comfort zone. And folks, when you walk with Jesus, get ready for that. That's one of the most, most consistent things that will happen to all of us. And it goes on, verse 9. 
When, when Jesus said, hey, woman, can you give me something to drink? How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And look what Jesus said to her. Verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you would have known, if you really knew who was asking me. You know what I think about that? As the more I come to know God, the bolder I get. Because I realize God's at work. And, and if, if the people in my life that, didn't, that don't know Christ, if they really knew who was seeking them, it's not me. It's God. And I love that. And she said, and, and, and he says, she, he would have given you living water. And this woman's confused, verse 11. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answers again, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Young lady, I'm not speaking of physical water. And see, Jesus is... is is always doing this. He's always answering questions going, wait, wait, you've got to understand, I'm speaking of something a lot more significant than physical. And see, we, we've got to recognize that, that, that we live in a world and the most important things in life are not physical. It's spiritual. The greatest needs in our world are not physical. The greatest needs in our country are not, are not political. It's not infrastructure. It's spiritual. And see, we've got to be a church that recognizes that, that the greatest needs of our friends, of our family, of, of those that we work with, those that we play with, their greatest needs are not physical. It's spiritual. And Jesus said, verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. And, and, and we know this because the world doesn't deliver. The, the world promises us stuff. The, the, we, we see this in the successful people, and they're the most empty people, the wealthy, the rich, the famous, all those things. That's not satisfying. Those are the most lonely, empty people in the world. And, and we know this because when we just pursue physical things, it doesn't work. And Jesus says, anyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. And look at this. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And of course, the woman said, sir, give me this water. I, I want that. I need that. Because I don't want to, I don't have to come here and draw water again. And Jesus says, okay, she's not getting it. She's not getting it. So he knew her because Jesus knows the heart of every man, every woman. He knows the life of every man, every woman. And that's why we, we, when we come face to face with Jesus, we should be honest. We should recognize that, that we can never hide anything from him. And it's funny to me how in my own life I see this. I, I want to go, oh, Lord, I, you probably didn't see that. 
No, he sees everything. That's why when we come to old church, when we come together, let's be honest, let's be real. And Jesus said to her, her, okay, go call your husband and come here. I can imagine the woman's face like, oh, man. The woman answered, I I have no husband. Now, would this flip you out or what? If if you sat with somebody that told you everything you'd ever done, every bad thing, you'd be like, I ain't going to see that guy. But he said, the woman... Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. No wonder she came to the well by herself. And she says, what you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. How did you know that? How did you know that I was that broken? I was that bad. And then Jesus starts talking about worship. Look, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And she, and he, look, he said, our fathers. She was half Jew. They, they looked at that. They, they would beat them up over that. They would, they would see them as unclean over that. But he said, look, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, The hour is coming when when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. And then he says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. And this is the Christmas season that Jesus was born a Jew. Born, salvation came through the line of Judaism. And verse 23, but the hour is coming and is now here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And see, what what I want us to see is that God is at work. That, That those of us that know Christ as our Savior, we know him as our Savior because Jesus sought us out. He called us. And you know what? God is at work in the lives of people around us. And, and, and what happens as we have dealt with this series of connecting with people and praying about, Lord, how do we share the gospel? How do we communicate our faith to the world that God is at work in people that you know and I know? He is so at work that he strategically placed you next to them at a cubicle or at a desk at school or on a basketball team or tennis team or baseball team or softball team. God's at work in people's lives. And and in verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. I know he's coming. And he who is called Christ when he comes, he will tell us all things. And this is one of those moments. You know, we say that, that Jesus is God because he said he was God. And this is one of the reasons that compels us to, I even heard a person interviewed this week on television about who Jesus was. They were doing some deal on Christmas. And, and, and who's Jesus? Oh, well, he's a good teacher. He's a good man. And he was a good leader. But like C.S. Lewis said, Jesus said he was God. And so he's... he's He said he was the only way to heaven. This is what Jesus said. And right here, this is one of those moments in Scripture when Jesus said to her, verse 26, I who speak to to you am he. I'm him. I'm God. 
And this woman's probably going, oh my goodness. And you would talk to me? In, the, in verse 20, 28, the woman, look at this, the woman left her water jar and went into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. So, so they all said, okay. She, she left the water pot, took off, and went into town and said, you got to come see this guy. Now, there's a lot to learn here. The power of the invitation we see that, that you and I need to be consistently inviting people, hey, come and see, but sometimes we're timid with that, aren't we? Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know if I can invite someone to church. I don't know if I, I can do that. I promise you, if you invite someone to church, we're going to do our very best to share the gospel in a, in a clear, compelling, and articulate way. That's, that's our passion. And it's, my, it's our prayer that our staff, our leaders, that we are better tomorrow than we were today. And we put pressure on ourselves to get better and to be, be, be strong witnesses for Christ. And there's power in that invitation. And this woman, man, she, uh, she took off and said, you got to come and hear Jesus. And I, I want you to understand that this is one of those opportunities you could embrace to, to bring your friends to hear about Jesus. But sometimes we, we, we miss that invitation. Maybe it's not even just to come here, but to sit down and say, can I invite you to know Jesus who changed my life? I'm blown away at the number of Christians, and statistics are, are startling, uh, the, of the number of believers that live their whole Christian life and never talk to someone about Jesus, never articulate their faith, never communicate their faith to anybody. And folks, that, that should never be true for any one of us in this room. We ought to be consistently communicating our faith. This woman went to town and said, you got to come. Now, sometimes we go, oh, well, my, I can't do that. My life's inconsistent. Now, point number two, I want you to see this, is that, is that a perfect life is not necessary for the gospel message to be understood, but I must be honest about my mistakes. I mean, this woman didn't go and say, hey, you know, I'm this example. No, she was honest. She knew who she was. And we can be honest about our mistakes and authentic about our mistakes. I mean, um, you know, I think back at guys that I've led to Christ that, that I played tennis with. And, man, there were times that I wasn't a good witness on the tennis court. I mean, Brad Ayler was a lot worse than me. I mean, gosh, I've seen that guy play. He's sitting right over there. I always try to do that once in a while. But, um, but you know what? We've watched the Lord use us on the tennis court in spite of our mistakes. And I want you to understand that a perfect life is not necessary. Verse 28, so the woman left her water jar and went to the town. Look at that again. And said to the people, come see this man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And you know what? They went. And here's what's interesting. Look at verse 31. I want you to see this. Meanwhile, the disciples are, this is where Baptists get this practice right here. The disciples are like, we got to eat. We're hungry. You know, in Baptists, this is why we're good at feeding people because we, we make food. We make casseroles in Baptist life. Okay, if we get sad, we're going to bake cookies or something. You know, that's what we do. Now, the disciples, meanwhile, the disciples were urging to him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Come on, we got to eat. 
Now, this is interesting to me, and I don't want us to miss this. This is, this is an eyes-closed moment for the disciples right here. Because they're like, Jesus, we're hungry. And Jesus is going, fellas, hello? Look at all these people coming. Put the food down. Look what he says. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know of. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone else brought him something to eat? Did someone slip him a burger or what? What's going on? And Jesus is like, guys, and look what he says. Listen, look at this. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, this is a theme all through the life of Christ, that, that his whole life was sent. He, he, was, he came to the earth to accomplish the work of God. And do you know that you and I are, have the same task? We have the same calling to accomplish the work of God. This is why with our ambassador baseball guys, we tell them, look, you're not a baseball player who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian. You're a Christ follower who just happens to be good at baseball. And so you hold that baseball like this, not like this. And you say, Lord, I'll let you do whatever you want with it. But I'm here to point the world to you. Folks, whatever, I look around this room, there's some incredible business people in here. There's some incredible leaders in your field. There's some incredible teachers. There's some incredible coaches and administrators and leaders, nurses, doctors. And God has put us all over this place. And we're to say, Jesus, we are believers that walk with you. We are engineers that we are believers who happen to be good at engineering. And we give it to you. Use us. See, the disciples miss this. And look what Jesus says. He says, verse 35, do not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, fellas, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. He's like, guys, look at all these people here. It's time to get to work. Look at this opportunity right in front of you. It's time to get to work. Verse 36, already, look at this, the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. And here's the thing, if God puts someone on your heart, which I pray that you are asking the Lord, Lord, who can I share the gospel with? Lord, would you use me with those I work with, go to school with, live around? And do you know that every time God puts someone on your heart, do you know that he's already at work? And right here it says, look, the sower and the reaper come together and both get to experience that blessing. God doesn't need us, but God invites us to this journey of walking with him. And this is why you'll hear me say over and over again that following Christ is the greatest adventure you'll ever take. Don't miss it. Don't miss this incredible journey of walking with the Lord. Verse 37, for he said, for the, here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. 
Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So he's saying to his disciples, look, I've been at work. God's, been, God's at work. Let's go reap this harvest. Put the food down. And so often we get distracted with things that don't matter. And God's saying, look, pay attention. Verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. For two days, Jesus, Jesus served. Jesus spoke. And this whole town believed. It says, um, verse 41, many more believed because of his word. You know what I hear here? You know what's important to understand here? That, that when God puts people on our hearts, we should work. Point number three is this. We should work to be persuasive, but leave the results of the gospel to Christ. Hey, we, we've got to become stronger witnesses, and we've got to be people that walk with the Lord. But here's the great thing about this. Let's leave the results to God. So often we don't want to speak up because we're like, oh, what if they reject us? They're not rejecting you. If they turn away from the Lord and turn away from the gospel, they're rejecting Christ, not you. Let's, let's be bold. Let's become stronger witnesses. Verse 42. I love this. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And I'll tell you, church family, we've got to not do this. We've got to be people that live every day with our eyes open to the world around us. You know, my mom, I love my mom. I, I'm a mama's boy. I don't care, but anybody, know, I don't care if you know it. I love my mom. My mom's a champ. She's 83 years old. And um, about a couple months ago, I, I called her my, my sister had called me. She's really having a hard time. So I called her. I was like, Mom, what's up? What's going on? And she was weeping when I called her. And, and my, my parents, I grew up on land my family got in the land run in the middle of Moore, Oklahoma. And, um, and it's funny because my, my dad kept his land, but all his siblings sold it. And, and around my parents was this senior adult independent living area. I was like, great, mom. Everybody moved to you. You don't have to move. It's awesome. And, and so, but my mom has been, has built some relationships and friendships. And she's been sharing Christ with some of these folks. There are a lot of people that don't know the Lord. And there was this one lady that, that didn't know the Lord. And my mom would go to her house time after time, talk to her about Jesus, pray with her, share Christ with her. And she was a little resistant. She came from a, a background that caused her to kind of have some doubts. And, um, but my mom was persistent. She shared the gospel with this lady. Well, a couple of months ago, my mom goes to her apartment, and she's not there. And she knocks and knocks and leaves, and then kept going a couple of days in a row. And then finally, she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in there. It's just weird. And she had walked in, and this lady had fallen and had been in this state for, for about two and a half days. 
And um, my mom calls 911. It was traumatic for her. And, and she, um, she, this lady goes to the hospital and, and she's in a coma. And my mom is just brokenhearted. Because she's like, Chris, this lady, she never, I never got to pray with her about accepting Christ. My mom was just bawling, brokenhearted over her friend. And she's like, she's in a coma, and she's kind of responsive, and, and pray for me, because I'm going to share the gospel with her today. And I was like, okay, Mom, I'm praying for you. And she goes, and this lady's entire family is in the hospital room with my mom. And my mom, like a, I mean, like a champ, I mean, a spiritual giant. I'm, I'm talking one of those championship wrestler, if you put spiritual glasses on. That's my mom. She walks into that hospital room, their entire family, and my mom shares the gospel with that lady, and her entire family heard it. And my mom was brokenhearted. The lady squeezed her hand and seemed like a response. But this entire family heard the gospel. See, the results are God's. But I looked at my mom, and I, I hung the phone up, and I just had to take a walk just to thank the Lord for a mom that pushed me, that set the example for me to have a burden for the lost people in my life. And I just said, Lord, when's the last time that I was moved to tears over lost people. I'll tell you what, I've committed to the Lord for the rest of my life. I will not live with my eyes shut. And I prayed, God, as long as you give me breath and a calling to pastor, We'll be a church with our eyes open. Even though it's scary at times. Even though we, got, we don't know all the answers, we've got to figure it out. Even though it's uncomfortable at times. Lord, we're going to trust that you are the harvester. You're the Lord of the harvest. Like Matthew 9 says, we're the workers into his harvest field. Is that where you are? As a believer, that's where we must be. If you don't know Christ today, come to Jesus. Oh my God, oh my goodness, don't miss the adventure of following Christ. Come to him today. But if you've been on the bench, it's time to get back in the game. We got work to do. Would you stand where you are?